Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Well, what if he came back right now? No taxes. No more crummy elections. You may be seated. I'm a, a, is it the, a pastor in San Antonio, right here. Yeah. I got to talk to you, man. You're like, how far are you from Houston? Three hours. We're putting a church there right away. I want you to meet my guy. I want to get him connected with you. I'm excited about it. And it's like the closest state to me with In-N-Out Burger. So, I'm, yeah, praise the Lord. You want no secret? You want no secret? First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. As I read this, Apostle Paul is talking to a church just like I'm talking to you, Reach. And he felt this need to remind them you're not going to all die. But we will be all, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet's blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death swallowed up by a triumphant life. Who gets the last word? Oh, death. Oh, death. Who's afraid of you now? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God who gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord and Saint, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58. Therefore. Therefore meaning you're not all going to die. And if you do die, you're going to be transformed. This word, therefore, is so important in the whole purpose of what I'm going to speak on today. Therefore, you can't be afraid of dying. You can't be afraid of... All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start getting all politically incorrect. COVID, monkeypox, whatever the heck you want to call it. Whatever the next thing's coming out. Why are Christians so scared to die? Therefore, because he lays down this whole thing, Jesus coming back 
In a tr- blink of an eye, we could be raptured out of the, this place. And if you die, you're going to get resurrected. Because that, there should be no fear of death, he says. And he says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always, say always, always excelling in the work of the Lord and always doing your best and doing more than is needed. Being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. The message says, with all this going for us, my dear brothers, my dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I say that because there's this feeling, not saying here, but like, I mean, I watch the news. I live in the world we live in. I see Bible prophecy coming to pass. I I read all the warnings of Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. All the things the Bible speaks about of coming to pass and Christians just chilling. Churches just wanting to rest. Take it easy. Christianity, what's my least commitment to God and still go to heaven? I mean, we're, we're, we're right here on this Wednesday night, beautiful worship, We're in church, Bible study, Bible college. We'll be here Sunday. But what's the purpose of all this? Why are we supposed to throw ourselves in everything to the point of exhaustion? What was going on? Why did he say it? Why did he say throw yourself all in? Don't hold back. People are going to go to hell. And it's a constant reminder that we're so easily distracted that what happens here tonight is not about you. If you're saved, it's not about you no more. You're you're already saved. It's about what God can do through you, not for you. He's done enough at the cross. He doesn't have to answer another prayer. He doesn't have to give you a better job. He doesn't have to answer you. He's not your genie. He's not your butler. He did enough. Now, don't get me wrong. He will heal you. He will set you free. He will provide for you. But that should not be the condition of our service of going all out for him. Paul says, because this thing's going down, because what's happening in the world, because of the life we live in, because eternity is in the balance, throw yourself into it. The fact that you're saved right now, somebody was serving God before you. Somehow you didn't get here just on your own. Somebody witnessed to you. Somebody preached. Somebody translated that Bible into English. Somebody planted a church. Somebody was on a street corner. Somebody reached out to you. Now the baton's in our hand. And I am so passionate. I was talking to the pastors in the office. I am so frustrated 
with churches trying to reach other Christians while people are dying of fentanyl. People are overdosing. Our kids are being changed because they're being brainwashed in school that they can change their gender. People are lost. It's so wicked in the world today. And we're sitting here fighting who doesn't shake our hand in church or return a text. My God, the, the Lord needs you. Throw yourself into it. Who cares if you have a title or a ministry? It's not about that. My wife said, when we stand before God, none of that stuff's going to matter. A group of pastors were discussing, well, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead in John chapter 11. And one pastor asked the people... Why did he have people push away the stone? If he could perform all these miracles, why didn't he have the stone roll away automatically? And one of the pastors said, was God in his graciousness, in his kindness, wants us to be involved in what he's doing. The God who said, let there be light. The God who spoke this universe into existence and spun the stars in perfect alignment and put earth at the right place to sustain life. The one who created the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end, looks down at you, homeboy. It says, I want you to be a part of my plan. I, I, I didn't just save you to get you out of hell. I didn't just save you to get you off drugs. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing on planet earth because there's people that I can use you to reach that my son didn't die in vain. Oh, somebody praise him right now. I'm here to tell you, God is always willing to get his message out to his people. But since the very beginning of time, God is always, always finding a way to speak. He did this in the garden. He spoke personally to Adam. He used a dove to deliver a message to Noah and the ark. He used a donkey to deliver a message to rebuke Balaam. He used ravens to deliver a message for provision to Elijah. He used a great fish to deliver a message and rebuke Jonah. He used a rooster to deliver a message of repentance to Peter. In the Old Testament, God communicated and used prophets to communicate a message when the people weren't listening to his commandments. In the New Testament, he used John the Baptist to preach repentance. Jesus came with the same message of repentance. You don't hear that word a lot. Repentance. Say it, say repentance. We hear it come to my church. We, we don't hear it that often. But when I, I read the Bible, you can't get to heaven without it. When Jesus was about to ascend to heaven, he commissioned his apostles to preach the good news of repentance. And faithful Christians throughout the centuries have preached this. And it brings us to here today, in 2022, getting ready to embark on a new year. And we're the Christians, the gatekeepers of our time and our generation. We're the ones responsible for what happens in the earth today. Not the White House, not the government, 
Not the Republicans or the Democrats. Not the influencers on social media. Those guys are wackos. No, it's us. The Bible says we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And if God only uses people to accomplish his purpose, I'm going to be very strong on this. Your commitment, your giving of your time, talent, treasure. If we were to duplicate yours, how much would we get done? I am tired of hearing about people watering down this beautiful message. I'm tired of people weakening the cross when the Bible tells me before even follow them deny yourself then come pick up your cross and follow me it is literally the opposite of what's being preached in a lot of circles today the trinity today is me myself and I God has always had a message for his people. The question is, is his people listening? See, when I got saved, we were talking about this briefly in the office. I got saved in 1987 on the corner of Whittier Boulevard in Atlantic at the old Golden Gate Theater with 1,200 gang members. The only other white dude I seen was on a base and the preacher. <laughs> but I would see like 15, 20 people street preaching before church service. Literally getting people saved and just throwing them in the building. It was not uncommon to see demons coming out during worship. People getting healed. That was a time when we didn't care what we looked like. That was a time before we, were, we weren't so concerned if we looked a little weird. Somewhere between 53 and 55 AD is our text. Somewhere God sent a message, a prophetic word, this one. Through Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. And God used Paul to deliver this message. Now, there's a reason why he's saying this. If you do any background, the Corinthian church was a messed up church. They had all kinds of issues. As much as we use this portion maybe at funerals to encourage people about the resurrection of their loved ones, this is a very serious portion of scripture. And Paul's telling them, stop this fighting over communion. Stop this bigotry with one another. Stop showing favoritism. Stop this compromise in the church. Remember, they had a man sleeping with his stepmom and allowing it to happen. God used Paul to deliver this message of, don't you realize in a blink of an eye, this can go down? 
Would you go to heaven if the rapture happened right this second? Would you? I mean, we're supposed to live a rapture-ready life. This message still applies to us. I want to tell you a secret. Pretend I'm Paul for a moment. Pretend you're the Corinthians. And I'm standing up here telling you, and I mean this with the bottom of my heart, I'm more assured than Paul was. Because it's 2,000 years later. Israel's become a nation again. We are living right now at that time where that generation will not die off until the return of Christ comes according to the Bible. You see one world governments forming, talking about a one world currency. I mean, what else do you need? It can happen at any moment. He's trying to convince them. And if you die, don't be scared because you'll still be resurrected. Does your theology match your lifestyle? Because we all sit there and say we believe in the return of Christ. But if it does, how many people did you witness to today? What was your personal prayer life about today? Or your morality today? Because Paul goes in the, next, uh, the, the last verse of this chapter. Therefore, therefore, because of everything I just said, my beloved brothers and sisters, you're going to hear this a lot tonight. Be steadfast, immovable. Use wisdom. You don't want to burn out in church. You just do too much for God. You need a rest revival. (laughs) Always excelling in the work of the Lord. Always doing your best more than needed. Being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted, it is never without purpose. That, that's the Bible. That's the word of God. Only in the time that we live in now, we, and I'm throwing myself in there. You may look at me and say, Pastor Kelly's this intense. Dude, I'm a human being too. I love to chill. I'm like anybody else. It's called our flesh. You have to just stop and think. People, this guy, these people died. They died giving their all for this. Missionaries just two generations ago would leave their children and wives and spend a year or two somewhere else preaching the gospel, dying for the gospel. This is the most urgent time you could ever live on planet Earth. You know why? 
because you all know somebody you care about that's not going to heaven. And if you don't care, I don't even think you're saved. The heart of Jesus is he wished none perish, but all come to repentance. This urgent message of therefore, my brothers and sisters, usually when you send mail, if you still do, <laughs> or you have something that's important, they usually give you even, I guess, yeah, even on emails, texts, or voicemails. Press one or on a stamp, you can mark on there in red letters, urgent. Meaning it's time sensitive. Deliver immediately. Open immediately. That's the case of what Apostle Paul is saying. This is a time sensitive message. There's not multiple returns of Christ. He's not dying more times. And you only get one life. Understand this urgency of this message. In our text, this therefore, it just rattled me when I read it. And I started questioning. Look, don't come talk to me about COVID. You might get socked. I'm done with it. I'm at the hotel and they didn't clean our room. We asked them to clean the room and they go, this is today. Oh, yeah, because of COVID. I go, that's so 2020. Get over it, man. I'm like, clean my stinking room. I paid for it. Been here three days. I'm tired of turning the sheets inside out. <laughs> Please. And I watch so many Christians get scared to die. All of a sudden... Man, for years we preached Jesus as a healer. And all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 no. I, but I have some friends and their family that died. Yeah, and if they're saved, they're in heaven. They wouldn't want to come back. And so why are you being selfish? I'm being honest. This is the gospel. David said... When his son died, I, you can't come back to me, but I can come to you if I stay saved. Stay saved. It's time that we wake up. I mean, it's just time. This refers to, back to this previous section of the chapter. If you read what Paul is saying, it's just, well, verse 51. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we'll be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet's blown. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Go like this. Blink your eye. That fast. You know, the King James Version uses the word twinkle of an eye. 
And if you study this, it's not talking about when you manually blink your eye. Your human eye automatically closes to lubricate it. You have no control. It's so fast you don't even see it. When you manually do it, you, there's this quickness. But it's, it's talking about and a twinkle. Something even faster. And when that happens, all your offenses aren't going to matter. All of your beefs are going to be pretty dumb. All your unforgiveness. Oh yeah, you're not going to heaven if you're not forgiven. You're not. You're not. You're not. Look at me. You're not going to heaven. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, my heavenly father will not forgive you. You can't go to heaven. Don't hate the messenger, hate the message. All that stuff that you're holding on to, it's not going to make a difference. When Paul wrote these words, I mean, think about this. He didn't know where the rapture was going to take place. He just knew it was going to happen. Though this letter written 2,000 years ago, we still don't know the exact time other than the signs and the prophetic words that he warns us about will take place. So what is it supposed to look like in the last days? I won't bother you because I'm going to trust you read your Bible at home on some of those long, intense chapters that Jesus spoke. But Apostle Paul spoke about it also in 2 Timothy 3.1. But you need to be aware in the final days of culture, of society, will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that's right. Never before have we seen people mocking good. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful, ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful, malicious slander. I don't know about that. Really? You believe anything you see on social media without even knowing the people. It's called slander. Slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. I mean, just talk about banning abortion, saving life, and see how violent people become. Over killing babies. So you think this has to do with pro-life, pro-choice. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't kill people. I don't believe in killing people. Brutal, treachery. They will act without restraint, bigoted, wrapped up in the clouds with their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving God. They pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. let, Let me give you a hard lesson here this is written to the church this is not written to the world 
He's describing what people in church are going to be like. The woke church. This is the church of Ephesus. You have a hard time with the part that says stay away from people like that. He's not talking about sinners. He addresses that in Corinthians chapter 5. We're supposed to reach sinners. But people like this that have that form of godliness, the King James Version, or they act like they're Christians, say they are. They pollute and dilute the gospel and give Jesus a bad name. And yes, I am talking about preachers too. Let me read it to you in the message. Do not be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people will be going on, uh, going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contentious to their parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderous, impulsive, wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, allergic to God. They will make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they are animals. Stay clear of these people. Isn't it funny when you just read the Bible to people, what it does? All of a sudden, like, yeah, that is kind of the way things are right now. This is why the message is urgent. The prophetic times have caught up to the right time we're living in now. That's why it saddens this event of you, or this sudden event. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye. Does that move me? Does that concern me? I'm not saying this to get you to go on an outreach. But then you have to ask yourself, why do you always have an excuse to not go on an outreach? Why is everything else more important? than telling people the good news that will save them from hell. Why is everything else more important? This event can take place this very moment. He's going to come unannounced. People here one moment, gone the next. Two men in a field, one taken, one left. Husband and wife in bed. One taken, one left. You better say sorry before you go to bed. Somebody's going to stay behind. (laughs) Sounds like a stubborn husband. (laughs) No more time to prepare. No more time to ask God to give you another chance. You'll have to face the tribulation. Pastor, you're trying to scare me. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 I am. By reading the Bible to you. You won't have time to fix your mistakes. Well, they, who knows? I shared this broadcast. So I was meeting with pastors and talking to them in my city and, you know, got a little chastised by some of my peers about you know, we're only supposed to talk about how much God loves us. We're not, gonna, we're not supposed to preach and make people feel guilty. 
and condemned them. You know, the finished work of the cross. I don't want to live in condemnation. I don't like the way that feels and makes my people feel. So what do you want me to tell you, dude? Jesus spoke twice as much about hell than he did heaven. We've literally turned our pulpits into self-help, pick out some nice comforting scriptures while people are on drugs, addicted to porn, living a totally different life at home. And we're telling them basically, you know what, it doesn't make a difference. God loves you no matter what. That's not what the Bible says. God's not throwing adultery in hell. He's throwing the adulterer in hell. He's not throwing a lie in hell. He's throwing the liar in hell. When Jesus comes with the millions, there will be so many millions and millions left behind. Well, Matthew 13, 47 says this. Again, the king, this is Jesus, the loving baby in the manger talking, the humble man on the cross. The kingdom of heaven is like a, fish, a fishing net that is thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up to the shore. They sat down and they sorted out the good fish into crates and threw the bad ones away. This is what this is the way it will be at the end of the world the angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous throwing the wicked into a fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth you're not supposed to preach that means i'm just jesus said it jesus is coming for his bride and his bride alone he is not coming for an adulterer he is not coming back for a whore. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for those who placed their total faith in life in Jesus. Not, not a slogan. Not those who wear the t-shirt. Not those who just come to church on Sunday. Because coming to church does not make you a Christian. If you said the sinner's prayer... And you got baptized, and your life didn't change. You said words and got wet. The Bible says when you get saved, your whole life changes. I got saved, my whole life changed. I didn't, I didn't even have to have people tell me not to do things, I didn't want to do them no more. Others, which I won't take time to get into, we're going to face what's called the great tribulation. They'll have to make a choice of the mark of the beast or give their life. Let me give you food for thought. If you're having a hard time serving God now with worship going on around the world, prayer going around the world, imagine trying to serve God with no churches on planet earth. Imagine trying to serve God with his presence lifted. 
comes for the rapture. Take a moment. Consider those. I want you to. I want you to consider the lost right now. If Jesus came today, I don't care how bad your marriage is, do you really want your spouse to go to hell? You've gotten so used to them not serving God. You've stopped praying for them. You've stopped inviting them. You've even said, now they'll never get saved. You're confessing that over their life. Them being left behind. And you never see them again. What about your mom and dad? You know, they need them. And the only way for them to heaven is the message. And you've given up because they always get mad. Like I said, they killed these guys preaching the gospel. Even though, I mean, Paul was stoned, beaten, drug out, left for dead in the city, gets resurrected, and goes back in to preach in the same city. Because it, Paul literally said, I, he literally said, even if I have to go to hell to see my brother and get saved. If Jesus comes today, what about your children? Don't tell me you love somebody. You don't even fast or pray for them. You compromise because if you're worried about their feelings. This is a sad event. It illustrates the urgency of what we're doing. You may have walked in here today, and, and, and don't get me wrong, this is not what's preached every Sunday. There's so much that we have to cover as ministers, and God always brings different gifts. Every Sunday is a different message to build up and so forth. We can't forget this. It's the reason why we do everything. Everything. We're going to talk about Christmas. For God so loved the world, he sent his son, gave his son. He, he, the baby came to grow, to die. So you can go to heaven. And when he died, he said he's coming back. The message is urgent. Because we have family, friends, co-workers, what about your job? How can you sit next to somebody eight, ten hours a day and not tell them? You're on a route and you see them every week? You're in that high school, that junior high? You're afraid to be shunned by your friends? When are you going to go to school in the quad, the open area, and just tell everyone, I'm a Christian. Jesus loves you. You need to get saved. You ever stop and think, teenager, God saved you because you went to that high school? You ever think you prayed for that job and God gave you that job not just to give you money and a career, but there's somebody there that needs him? You ever think that he blessed you with that apartment or that house because there's neighbors that need the gospel? 
You ever stop and think when you go to AM, PM at that exact time, there might be somebody there that needs you? The message is urgent. The problem is the church isn't. We must live each and every day this godly life because when he comes back, there's no time to fix mistakes. I, I know I'm going to feel it. I could have did more. I wrestle with that all the time. I don't want to get into this mode of, look what I've done. It's time to kick back. You deserve a break now. Let somebody, let, let the younger people do all the work for God. This is why we plant churches. It's why we challenge people to answer the call of God. We don't do it to say we have little churches here and there and, and look how big our little network is and, and, and all that. But we're just not even a drop in the bucket of what God's doing on planet. We, we do that. So like when we start a church in San Antonio, people get saved. Was there a parade waiting for you, bro? Did the mayor have the key to the city for you? Are you from there? Where are you from? What are we here? Where? Wilmington. Okay. I'm from Glenwood. <laughs> you went there. People got saved. We, we go... Some people do this out of a career. I get a kick. You don't even really have to be saved to start a church anymore. Literally, you don't. They got, you know, they'll set you up with some organizations with a building, a worship team, salaries, even sermons. You just go up there and perform. And it's funny how five to 900 people will show up the first service. Where'd they come from? Where did they come from? They're not unbelievers. You ain't got a bunch of sinners showing up to church because you rolled up. Nah, they're a bunch of uncommitted Christians that left some other church for the bigger and newer thing. Yeah, I'm going to... Sorry, you got to hear me vent tonight. If you leave, we're going to think you just, you're guilty of missing a rapture. So you better stay seated. And you, listen, they're tracking you online. It's not just TikTok tracking you. They're tracking you. You will know if you log off. <laughs> we don't do this because we want notoriety. I mean, when I say us, I, I, I have to be careful because, and I'm not here to bash. You'll never hear me say other personal names of ministries. There are ministries that are looking and ministers that have been deceived looking for that notoriety when i say us i'm talking about our culture we're very similar that we want to reach the lost probably because how your pastor and i got saved we're we're not trying to build a big ministry for the sake of a build ministry you can't do that when you preach sermons like this you can't because you're telling people to sell out most christians don't want to sell out Maybe a softball game they do. Again, it's clear. 
Therefore, verse 58 again, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable. Always excelling in the work of the Lord, doing your best, doing more that's even needed. I mean, you see through this very verse where to be focused, faithful, firm, dedicated. That first word he uses is the word steadfast. It's an interesting word. It's a strong word. It's a, it's a word that holds tight and doesn't let go. I was reading my Bible today when my wife and I were, she was drinking tea and I'm just kind of looking at my phone and the scripture just, just stung. Romans 13, 11. To live like this is all the more urgent. For the time is running out and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. It is a time for us to wake up. Can you just let that... You could have been born any other time in history. God could have said, I wanted you to be born a thousand years ago. Two thousand... You could have been alive during Jesus' time. You could have been alive a hundred years ago. No. But God wanted you to be alive in 2022. You could have been put anywhere else on earth but he wants you to be here you didn't choose the time you didn't choose your parents when you came into this earth you didn't choose your race nationality whether you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth or in poverty but i know one thing you did choose that was jesus but let's not be too arrogant he chose you first And Paul, again, telling the Romans, we're living in an historical time in history. The river Euphrates is dried up. Some of you don't even know what prophecy that means. It literally refers to two locked up angels, fallen angels being released eventually during the tribulation. One third of the planet will die. It's never been dry. It's dry now. What more do you need? You're living in a time the door is almost totally shut to the ark. The very end. And you're still mad about what they're saying to you on social media? You're so upset because they haven't accepted your request to follow them? For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away. A new day, destiny's dawn, destiny's dawn. So we must once and for all strip away what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing like filthy clothes. And once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably, Surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness, debauchery, not in promiscuity, sensuality, 
not even argumentative and jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourself into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Don't waste even a moment, a moment's thought of your former identity awaken its selfish, to awaken its selfish desires. It is to be the priority of our life to reach out to those who are lost. Our responsibility does not end just because we give money to missionaries. We're called to make disciples. We're called to give our lives one to another. I mean, that's, there's the great command and the great commission. The great command, to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. The great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. You do those two things, you're good. It all, it all sums down on those two things. I mean, it's literally Jesus' last words. Go into all the world, make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world, a few of you go to Bible college and become preachers. He, he, he literally, Mark says, In my, anyone that comes to my name, go do this. These are the requirements the fruits of being a born-again believer. Every one of us have been gifted some form, some way. You're not all to be like me. I'm not to be like you. But you're all called to do something. You all have a certain task. The question is, are you using those talents? And please forgive me. I don't find anywhere in Scripture that I get to do what I want to do. Please, I'm using this as an example, okay? Don't get all bent out of shape with me on this, all right? Where's the, t- the tissues are up here, okay? If you start crying. If you need a tissue for your issue, come up here. Please, I'm not picking on this. I'm just, I'm just trying to use some relevant thing. I, you know, I, I like sports, so I'm going to start a sports ministry. I, I, I'm a biker, so I'm going to start a biker ministry. I'm not putting those things down, but when do we get to do our likes and then put a ministry behind the name of it? Again, I'm not saying God doesn't use that, so please, if you're a biker, don't jump me and my wife on the way out. Okay, and God is gracious. He lets us do the things we want to do. I don't like doing funerals, but I do them. I hate marriage counseling. Stop hitting her. Fright hit you. I got to do stuff I don't like. I don't get to do what I just want to do. Stop. God's not serving me. I'm serving him. Are you focused? Listen to me. Are you focused on the task of hand? Uh, can I be real? Some, some, we don't realize how controlling we are. That like, yeah, I'm talking about your family time. And that just bugs us. I remember when <laughs> I'm here in town to visit my mom. And I remember when my pastor sent me to Kansas City 
I'm her only child. Well, her only grandchild. And me and my wife are leaving and she, she called my pastor. She didn't even know him. She didn't go to our church. Yell, is there enough sinners in California? And we're loading our U-Haul truck at my house in Bell. And she comes pulling up, gets on her knees with her hands up crying, don't leave me. You're my only child, don't leave me. In the street. I had family die when I wasn't there. My son didn't grow up with his family. It's not even a sacrifice. I mean, it seems that way because Americans are so controlling. We're bound by self-interest, self-preservation. We're a joke to our predecessors who serve God. Steadfast, holding on, immovable. Be immovable. Can you be moved? No, look at me. Can you be moved from right here? Could the right of fence get you out? How about the right blessing? How about, you know, the big money job? Can it get you out? We always look at the bad stuff. Some girl. Okay, some dude. We're trying to reach everybody, man. How about the death? A tragedy. Is, is there something that you'd wave your fist at the church and God? Or are you going to pull one of those numbers? I love God, but I can't stand the church. Really? That's like me telling my wife, I love your face, but I hate your body. <laughs> Let it sink in. He's the head, we're the body, you get it. First Corinthians 15, 12. Now, the same chapter. If Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Some of those reform guys got in the church. Oh, I'm sorry. Not really. I'm sorry. I almost lied right there. I'm not sorry at all for anything I say. <laughs> There are people today that literally preached. This already happened. I, there's people now that say, they call it escapism. The rapture's not real. It's not gonna happen. They ignore a lot of scripture to say that. They've been fooled by these false teachings. That's why there's no urgency. 
Because the message is interesting. It's all the prophetic messages. They're just so good. They're just so good all the time. God wants to do this and he wants to bless you. And I see this sister and I see that brother and your breakthrough. And again, man, I am not against God giving good words, but come on, you don't have one, one word. Because I don't know anybody in the Bible that prophesied only good stuff. I don't know anybody, Old Testament, New Testament. Even Paul's, we're reading today, is Paul prophesying? And beware when say, oh, every prophecy is just how great your life's going to be. No, no rebukes. Or we got a bunch of used car salesmen calling themselves prophets. Wow. It doesn't match up with the Bible. There are so many false teachers preaching through TV, radio, internet. People are being deceived. Being deceived. The classy thing about it is this deception is so real. And you see how we are so idolatrous as Christians that you can be in this church or any church, be serving, get saved in a church. God, change your life in a church. Get discipled in church, get to meet the pastor, hear him, see him in his family's life, leave. And some dude on the internet or somebody at some meeting tells you something different. And bam, all of a sudden you believe the complete opposite. And you don't even know them. Just like that you change. Somebody sent some video on YouTube. And all of a sudden now you're questioning speaking in tongues. I'm just being honest, man. First of all, you frankly insult us. There are people just like us, and you're saying all of a sudden they're smarter than somebody else. All of a sudden, here, it's like, I, I tell guys, is God stupid? Is he confused? Did God bring you here? Yes. Okay. Did God change your life here? Yes. So why would God bring you to a place now that you're saying preaching false doctrine? Because I don't think the devil got you off drugs. I mean, we you'll, you'll trust some movie or movie series, YouTuber, some atheist in Hollywood... Some special on the, I mean, what are you going to figure out? These documentaries sometimes? I mean, false information is like kind of a big thing right now. Everything's geared to make you lose your faith in Jesus. You better know the Bible. You better read it for yourself. You better find out what God says. Look at the word. The word's the only thing that's going to anchor you and keep you steadfast and movable. The Bible says, let God be true in every man a liar. Ephesians 4.11. Basic. You guys get anything out of this? All right. How many give me five, ten minutes more? Raise your hand. Five, ten, fifteen. We're good. All right. 
Ephesians 4.20. Are you, uh, seriously, am I, 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 what are you going to do? It's horrible. <laughs> now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Ooh, Jesus gave gifts. Oh, I want a gift. It's Christmas. Here are the gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Were your gifts. I'm a gift. Anything about a gift, you'll, you'll get them at Christmas. But you, you, you can unwrap it, but until you open it and use it, it ain't going to help you. Their responsibility, the gifts that Jesus gave the church, is to equip God's people to do his war. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know there was a cuss word in the Bible. Work. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's for them. No, this will continue until we all come to such unity of our faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard in Christ. In other words, there is a completeness that you cannot come to outside of the gifts that Christ gave you. you I'm sorry, you cannot serve God without the fivefold ministry. You can try it. In other words, I don't have to go to church and be a Christian. Everybody in the New Testament went to church. You can't start a new religion that way. You can't just say, I, I don't trust. We don't trust you, my God. You know how many times you've been back and forth to the church, I'll never backslide again, and you did? You know how many times we've seen you get saved, you're, you, and we, you, you don't trust us? Do you see who's holding the offering baskets around here? We're not the ones with trust issues. You got to mature. It comes through your leadership, discipleship. Then in verse 14, then after the process, you will no longer be immature like children. You'll grow up. You will not be tossed, blown about by every wind of teaching on social media, which will not be, in, and you will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever that it sounds like the truth. You want to be immovable, steadfast? Man, the church has all kinds of problems. We're nothing but a bunch of messed up people trying to help messed up people. That is the church. There's nobody in here perfect. Nobody perfect. We're all messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. Hopefully you're not the worst one messed up, but he's in here. Don't look at him. You know who he is. Half of you know who he is. Don't look at him. The problem is he's probably thinking it's somebody else. <laughs> His message to the church. Man, it's so strong. Then we will no longer be children, immature like children. It's time for us to quit acting like kids in church. Time to grow. You've been saved. How long? How long and you still give an attitude to an usher? How long you've been saved and you still complain when your Bible study leader calls and asks where you were because he loves you? 
Audrey, we live in a time you look at caller ID, you just let, you just let it go to voicemail. We didn't have that luxury. There was no caller ID. The phone rang. We had to answer it. Oh, no, it's them. <laughs> Let me move on. Fearfully. This is something that's interesting. Fearfully in the work of the Lord. Let me read it again. I'm going to read it in both transit. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. The message says, with all this going for us, heaven, not afraid of death, my dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. God's plan and his purpose for his children. That we're supposed to equip you to find your special work. Whatever that is. Everything the reach needs to reach this area is right in this room. We don't need to hire no one from the outside. We just need you to activate what God's called you to do. You find the safest place on planet earth in the last days is in God's perfect will. Are you steadfast and movable in the Lord? Are you steadfast and movable in your church? What about your work? Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meetings together, as some of you got in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another even all the more that you see the capital D approaching. Let me read it to you in a modern translation to help you even see it more. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since we know that the day of the Lord's coming is even getting closer. According to the writer of Hebrews says, you should come to church even more knowing that Jesus is coming back. Not less. Not less. It shouldn't be waking up and your kids asking, are we going today? It should be. What do you mean we're not going? You don't understand how tired. Shut up. Look at me. Shut up. We know how you live when you weren't saved. You didn't sleep. I literally went partying and drove to the parking lot of my job from partying all night just so I wouldn't be late. What are you talking about? God gave you Red Bull. I mean, when did too much church hurt anybody? The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. Not I was mad when they said unto me. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, oh. now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly 
that in the last days or times, some will turn from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their conscience are dead, or their conscience doesn't move them no more. It's called the great falling away. That is one of the Bible prophecies of the last days. Not revival, but millions of Christians walking away from God. Hebrews 3.12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God. Oh my gosh, you can't backslide. It's in the Bible. This one saved, always saved. Say a sinner's prayer. Do whatever you want and party. You can never. That's a lie. It's a lie. Some preachers are going to stand before God for lying to people. How do you turn away if you weren't in the way? You must warn each other every day. This is 2,000 years ago. So you don't fall away. They're literally telling the Christians, warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful, if, if we're faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we, when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. How you doing, bro? Why are you asking? Because I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to warn you every single day. Every single day. It's funny what you find when you read the Bible. Ready for another one? Matthew 24, 10. Oh, Jesus, the loving Savior. Then many will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving the multitudes, leading them away from the path of truth. And there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those hearts that once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Last day prophecies. Don't forget our text, time's short. As of today, you have less time than you did than yesterday. You're only promised so many years, so many months, so many weeks, days, and moments. It's a commodity called time that God's given each one of us differently. Some it's taken quickly. Some will live long lives. But at the end of the day, I don't care, 50 years, and you're still not obeying God? You're, you're 40, 50 years old, and you're still not obeying him. You will be accountable. You will be accountable, Christian. If you're not saved, you're going to go to heaven or hell. But I'm going to talk to you Christians. You will be judged too. Christians face judgment. We almost totally forget that. Romans 14, 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you, this is written to Christians. Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give an account to God for himself. Second Corinthians chapter 5, for we will all appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That's what keeps us vigilant. This is a pastor talking to a church. You can be sure it's no light thing that we will all stand in the place of judgment. That is why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this. But I hope you realize how much we deeply care. We're not just saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good proud even that we are on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are if i acted crazy i did it for god if i acted overzealous or serious i did it for you christ's love has moved me to such extremes his love has the first and last word in everything we do first corinthians chapter 3 says that christ will get his censor and light your life all you did for him on fire it's called our eternal reward. Some will get gold, silver, precious stone, and some have wood, hay, stubble. And wood, hay, stubble will burn to ash. Wood, hay, stubble are earthly motives. Silver, gold, precious stones are eternal things that don't burn. The only thing that lasts for eternity is the human soul. Your reward is directly connected to souls. You cannot live your life, well, I just want to get there, to heaven. You know it's for eternity, right? Heaven, right? It's for eternity. Why would you go for wood, hay, stubble? I didn't create the different rewards. God did. I'm not about the rewards. Why would you go for less? Why would you go for less? If Jesus died, why would you not go for gold? It's like us sending the U.S. soccer team to the World Cup. And they're like, I don't really care about winning. We just wanted a T-shirt. <laughs> no, we want you to win. You represent us. We're ambassadors for Christ. You represent him. Go for gold. Go for gold. Get as many people saved as you can. Who will stand before Christ. And when he looks at us, what will you say? I gave you the talent. Did you waste it? Always abounding. Always doing God's work. Yeah, that does come in form of ministry and faithfulness. You, you, you know, but it's also, it's everything you do for him outside of this building. Don't hold back. Nothing you do, it's not a waste of time. Even if I'm going longer than what you're used to, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. Like, my gosh, what are you gonna do? Turn into a pumpkin? I mean, oh my, like you've never been up this late before. It's funny, if the Lakers go into overtime, you don't have a problem then. If the Dodgers go to extra innings, you have a problem then. Only in church when someone's trying to get you to heaven and God used your life, you have a problem?
You can't serve God just by doing enough to get by. I mean, you know, Matthew 24 is phenomenal. Go and read it. I mean, it's like long. Jesus is talking about the end times. And then usually when Jesus dropped revelation, he followed up with an allegory or a parables. And he, he, he drops him several parables talking about the end. First one's the five wise, five foolish virgins. It's like the Grammys. My speech is going too long. You're going to play me off the stage. I might act like Kanye and stay up here for a while. Then the next parable is this one. I'm going to read this in context. This is after we talked about end times, Antichrist, Israel, everything, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I har- uh, harvested a crop and didn't plant and gather the crops, I did not cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money into a bank? At least you could have gotten my interest on it. Then he ordered to take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well, that will uh, use, uh, use well what they are given, even more will be given. They will have an abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now unless... Now you throw this useless servant to outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Next story. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, they will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people from the shepherds as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and his goats on the left. Blessed be by my father inherit the kingdom verse 35 for i was hungry and you fed me i was thirsty and you gave me a drink i was a stranger and you invited me into your home i was naked and you gave me clothing i was sick and you cared for me i was in prison and you visited me then the righteous ones will reply lord when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink or a stranger in hospitality or naked and give you clothing when did we ever see you sick or in prison to visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones. To eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, or a stranger, naked, sick, in prison, and not help you? They will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. Isn't it interesting? Some did something, 
and some didn't do anything. Some did something. Right after all this chapter of return of Christ, judgment, time's short. Are you doing anything? Are you abounding in God's work? Or is it a waste of time? I I am. I want to meddle with your conscience that the Holy Spirit could speak to you on your way home to pull over and witness to somebody when you wake up tomorrow. Don't invite them to church. Hear my heart. Stop using church as an excuse. Tell them about Jesus and they'll want to come. You lead them in a prayer. Quit bringing them to us that we have to perform to get them saved. If they're your friend, there's someone you're reaching out to, you should have loved them enough to already tell them the truth. What will Jesus find us doing when he returns? I remember our first year, I only had one disciple. One disciple my first year. No one got saved. One person got saved that first year. A whole year. She's still with me. But one person a whole year. And I remember this one disciple... We're outreaching in front of a Walmart. Everyone's coming against us. And he goes, Pastor, when are they going to come? I go, I don't know. But if Jesus comes back, I don't want to be sitting on a couch. My job is to preach the gospel. It's God's job to save them. I got to be obedient to the commission. Knowing that what I do for him, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. I want to, yeah, I know I came across strong today, but this is something burning inside of me. Church as we know it, and, and by no means am I here to mess up this culture. I'm not the pastor here. I just want to stretch you that your work for the Lord is beyond your title of whatever ministry you do. There's a lot of ushers going to heaven, a lot of ushers going to hell. Just like preachers. But if you're looking at, I mean, why did Paul say nothing you do for him is a waste of time? He had to say it because some people thought it was a waste of time. It's just a waste. No, it's not. As you look at me, as you look at me, You're going to see Jesus just like you see me right now. Hair of wool, fire in his eyes, bronze feet, the king of kings, the lord of lords with scars in his hands and feet. I know I'm going to be happy. I know I'm going to have that thought of, man, did I do enough when I see the people years ago with no cell phones, no internet, no texting, no social media, 
no food at every corner and drive through that gave so much we live in a time where people give up on their service in God Galatians 6 9 so let's not get tired of doing what's good just at the right time you'll reap a harvest of blessing if if you don't give up don't give up don't give up I don't care what another church is doing. This is your church. God brought you here. He connected you. It's called divine providence. I don't care if somebody invited you or... It doesn't make a difference. You're here. You rededicated your life here. God transplanted you. I don't care. You're here. Look at it. It's God's will. This is not Uber Eats. You just go down the list and pick where you want to eat. No, man. Be a part of a body. I've said this for years. I've watched the walls come down over the years. I've watched you grow from building to this place. And I mean, you guys still have a problem. It's not big enough for you. Not for what God wants to do through this place. You've used, this is Wednesday. There's not, it's packed. You have to probably add a third service on Sunday, but you want, like you need a building. Not for the sake of big buildings, for the sake of all the souls that want to come to the kingdom. We need more Bible study leaders. We need, we need you. Well, no, let me rephrase that. The new people getting saved need you. We need more teachers. The crazy person holding up a sign on the corner needs you. I needed somebody. I was strung out, dying of hepatitis, shooting dope in my arm. Some Mexican that I didn't even know. Some guy from. The Florence group <laughs> lets me live in his garage because it hide me out, knowing I was in trouble. I wasn't saved. He agreed to let me live there, and I'm not saved. And I have blue hair, and I have a leather jacket. I'm an 80s punk rocker. He's got a wife and two kids. And he lets me live in his garage and he doesn't know me. Three weeks I'm in there. And then I take speed for three days and do some stupid stuff. And on the third day, I came at 10 in the morning on a Saturday, opened the door to that garage after doing evil of evil. And I fell to my knees and I said, God, if you're real, I can't do this no more. I gave my life to Jesus. That man gave his life to me. He, I didn't know how to read. Taught me how to read. Got kicked out of every school, including Columbus. Taught me how to pray. 
He had no idea what I'd be doing. He had no idea I'd be preaching in your church one day. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time. I was a stranger at your door and you let me in. The message, verse 58, with all this going for us, my dear brothers and sisters, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident nothing you do for him is a waste of time without effort. In my last verse, then we pray, and then you can play. <laughs> you want rest? I'm going to show you where rest comes from. Revelations 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven. Put this in writing. From now on, the Lord will bless everyone who has faith in him when they die. The Spirit says, yes, they will rest from their hard work. And they will be rewarded for what they have done. According to the Bible, you rest when you die. And you're with the Lord. You don't rest now in church. The kingdom of God suffered the violence. The violent take it by force. Sorry. If Christianity becomes illegal in America, do you think in North Korea that they're crying about cappuccinos in their church? Do you think they're crying about they can't have service or there's too much church? You got one life, give it to them. If you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you're backslidden, Jesus loves you. He can change your life. Trust me, if he can change me, he can change you. I'm not even telling you to join a church. Let me make it real simple. If you died right now, even if you come to this church, and today you don't know if you'll make heaven your home, you need to get saved. You need to rededicate your life. He says, confess me before men, I'll confess you before my heavenly father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my heavenly father. That literally means... Christianity is not private. It's personal, but not private. Help you out. I, I, see, I don't know what's harder. Getting the lost saved or convincing the saved they're not really saved. You have unforgiveness. You're not saved. You're still a racist and you go to church. You're not saved. How can you say you love God who you haven't seen? You hate your brother who God created in his own image. You're not saved. If that's you... You need to give your life to him now or rededicate your life. If that's you, I want you to come to this altar. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to beg you. Just come, 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 come. Quit looking at somebody else. Your heart's pounding. If the rapture happens, you don't want to wait. Come. You're a leader. And you need to give your life back to him. Come. Leave in your pride, man. If there's altar workers, pray with them. Just pray with them. What's your name, bud? Jordan? Awesome. Pray with them, guys. Christian, stand your feet. Christian, stand your feet. Listen, listen. I know it's late. Look, look at me. What's the name of that place right there? Doubles? It's still open, right? See, you're good. Quit worrying about your kids. God's challenging you. 
throw yourself into his will it may god may not be telling you anything to do he might be telling you exactly something you need to start doing but you need to have is an open heart you need remember when god told abram the first time the word love's mentioned in the bible anybody know where it is genesis 22 abram take your son whom you love offer him as a sacrifice and he's doing it and right when he was about to hold nothing back he says stop i just wanted to see if you were willing to give it all you need to live a life i'm he may not ask everything but you better live a life i'm willing to do anything for you and if god's challenging you, even with that i want you to come stand behind these at this altar now come quickly it may not be pioneering a church it may be just witnessing come he's challenging you give your time to him i'm telling you some of you god if you come god will bring him if you come the holy spirit will speak to you pull that car over turn right turn left give us immovable believers right now Holy Spirit rattle hearts quicken your people raise up a rapture ready church an urgency to be on our hearts we are your hands we are your feet we say yes to you in every moment, every area of our life. No more running, no more excuses. In Jesus' name. One of the scriptures that stands out to me, listen to me, everyone hear me. This should motivate you. And, I, and I'm going to turn it over. That whole chapter, Matthew 24 earthquakes, wars, offense, all this crazy stuff. And Jesus said something profound. This gospel must be preached to everywhere in the world. Then my return will happen. Do you know that there's somebody on planet earth that will be the last person to be witness to? And the trumpet will sound. It just can't go on forever. The Bible doesn't teach that. You, you want out of here? I want out of here. To live as Christ and die as gain. I mean, yeah, I, I want to be here so God could use me. But I don't want to be here and deal with all the drama on planet Earth. I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to deal with that stuff. But to live here, I could do more for God. So my attitude is this. You want Jesus to come back? Find that last person. Witness to people. I'm going to challenge you. Dive into God's word. Dive into it like never before. And that does not mean listen to YouTube people. I'm not saying they're all bad, but my Lord. There used to be times we read. We studied the Bible. This cannot be your only time that you read scriptures on a screen when you come to church. I read scriptures today that you didn't even know were in the Bible. 
can we memorize songs and not the Bible? You go to school? What school? Where, Mayfair? Where do you go to school? Where? Homeschool. You got any brothers or sisters? Okay, take over the school and preach the gospel. So, let me ask you a question. When you ditch, do you just stay in bed? No, just you. What's up, bro? Who goes, who's in high school? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, you're in high school. Raise your hand if you're in college. Okay. There's such loud mouths in college and schools. How can you be quiet? Don't. Don't. Don't be afraid to debate your professor. Don't do it with an attitude. Don't debate out of pride because you just want to win an argument. There's a soul behind that person. You may walk alone in the hallways for a while, but you'll never walk alone because Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. There's somebody at your school, somebody at that college. Somebody, they're not all, don't be afraid of being canceled. Don't be afraid. There's people that need it. You're at your job tomorrow, man. Go for it. I'd be on my job. I used to work for the city of Southgate. I used to work for the city of Southgate, and I had a boss. I was on the street maintenance crew. I had a boss that literally hated everything about Christianity. He would literally mock me. They'd put pornography in my truck. They would just try to mess with me any way I can. they can. And I remember he was doing an 80-pound jackhammer. And this is just blaspheming me all the time. And, you know, city workers are like this. It's true. They don't do no work. All the new guys do all the work and everyone watches them. So I'm doing it. The jackhammer got stuck, the bit. We're bringing up concrete. And here's what happened. He, uh, he got on to try to release it. And the jackhammer popped out and crushed his knee. He's screaming. And they asked me to take him back to get him to the hospital. Now he's in my truck. He's been cussing me out for months. So I go, I, he's screaming, pain. I go, Jesus could heal you. Shut up, Kelly. I go, listen, man, you've been riding me all the time. What do you got to lose? There's nobody here. Nobody here. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I go, but if God heals you, you're going to stand at the time clock and you're going to tell everyone that Jesus healed you. He literally, mockingly, just said, yeah, whatever. Now, he didn't know. I slammed on the brakes. I grabbed his knee as hard as I can. He screamed. I go, in the name of Jesus, I command this pain to leave and his knee come in perfect order. And he gets quiet. He turns pale. And I go, where's the pain? Where's the pain? There is no pain. You're going to that time clock and you're going to tell everybody that he went to the time clock and told every single person that Jesus healed him and I prayed for him. Changed everything at my job. What if Jesus didn't heal him? He'd be cussing me out like he always did. 
I don't care. You don't just listen to me. Lay hands, pray, cast out devils. Let God use your life. Somebody thank him right now. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.